leaders in a time of crisis must be open and authentic. A crisis is not something to be managed. Authentic leaders don't deny, deceive, or deflect. The future of work isn't about shareholder value, technology, metrics, or automation. It's about being human and putting people first through actionable love. Welcome to the Love in Action podcast, where we hold deep conversations with extraordinary people to help you grow as a leader and expand your business. Here's your host, Marcel Schwantes. Welcome to episode 86 of the Love in Action podcast, where we help make your business and workplace be both good for people and for profits. And here, we believe that can only happen through love, care, connection, belonging, the way all of us human beings were designed. Today, I want to talk about influence. What I know to be true is that we all need positive influence from our leaders. Notice I said positive influence because there's a lot of people out there damaging the lives of others because of negative influence. So as you look back at all the leaders that have come across your path, maybe parents, teachers, coaches, or bosses, you can probably pinpoint at least one who provided you with the support and the skills and the motivation and the inspiration that helped you become who you are today. I mean, I remember somebody from my past who was a positive influential leader who had a huge impact on me, and I'm going to touch on that later. So I say all this because, fittingly enough, this is also the premise for a new book, And we're going to talk about that book today. It's called Positive Influence, The Leader Who Helps People Become Their Best Self. It's written by a father and son duo, Glenn and Michael Parker. Glenn Parker is an internationally recognized speaker and consultant and author of 16 books, including these bestsellers you may have on your bookshelf right now, Cross-Functional Teams, Working with Allies enemies and other strangers, and also team players and teamwork. Michael Parker is a senior executive with 25 years experience in financial services, and he currently serves as the managing director for Rockefeller Capital Management based in New York City. Gentlemen, welcome to the Love in Action podcast. Thank you. you. Looking forward to the conversation. That's great. So let's talk about that book, guys. You know, and it's funny because you're the second father and son duo that I've had on this show, by the way. The first was uh, Edgar and Peter, Peter Shine, who've done the, you know, the Humility series. So I want to talk about the book. As I mentioned in my, in my introduction, it's called Positive Influence, The Leader Who Helps People Become Their Best Self. Love the title. I want to skim the surface a little bit before we start to take a deep dive. Why? Did you write this book? There's so many leadership books out there. Why this one? Why now? And I'll start with you, Glenn. Well, I, I had an experience. I, I guess I would call it a profound experience. A man that I had worked with for about 20 years. He was a client, then eventually became a friend, passed away, and I got a, a, a message about a memorial for him. And as I was thinking about him and going to the memorial, I started to think about his life and my relationship with him. And I began to realize what a powerful, positive influence he was on me. For example, he brought me in initially 
because my area of expertise was teams and team building. He wanted to create a team-based organization. Came in, I did that. A couple of years later, when things were rolling, I thought, well, this project's over. And he said to me, Glenn, I want you to do some customer service training because all of my people have customer contact either directly in the field or via the phone. And they need, we need an upgrade because we consider ourselves to be um, customer, very positively customer oriented. I said, Bill, I really don't know that much. I don't know anything really about customer service, but you know, I'll find someone for you. He said, no, you'll learn. That's all he said. You'll learn. And I did. And I moved into a whole new field and did customer service training. He was very pleased with it. So fast forward, you know, another year or so. And he said, Glenn, you know, corporate has announced they're going to have mandatory business ethics training. And he said, I know I'm not going to like it because I want something that's tailored to my organization and the kind of ethical issues that we face. And you know our organization and you can do this. I said, well, it's not something I'm, I've done before. And it sounds like something that you ought to get an attorney to do, not me, because there's a lot of legal aspects to it. He said, you'll learn. Okay. And I did. And I did the training. And basically what he did is he got me to do something that I had never done before. And he did it a number of times. And so when I thought about him and I went to the memorial and I talked to his family, who I knew quite well as And I said, I can't be the only person that's had this experience in their life with a person who was a positive influence and changed in many ways the direction of their life. So I got home. I called Michael, person I respect the most in terms of his corporate experience as a leader himself and as somebody who well-versed in the literature. And I told him what I was thinking about doing, writing a book about positive influence and how to be a an effective, positive influence leader. And he said to me, I'd read that book. And I said, well, how'd you like to write the book with me? And he said, I would love to. So that's, that's how we got started on this journey. And then we interviewed some 50 people. We each had our own network of people in, in the corporate world, people who had a variety of, di- worked in a variety of different industries, occupations, across a variety of, we had multi-generational people, people of different races, ethnic groups, nationalities, and we got their stories and people told their stories to us. And that's how the book got written. And so we're so pleased with the fact that we, people were so generous in, in, in sharing their stories with us. Yeah. What about you, Marcel? You said you had a positive influence leader in your life that, you know, once you maybe I'd love to hear about that story. Yeah. His, his name was Bruce. We're going to, we're going to have to go back about 15 years when I was in healthcare, moving up the ranks and he was an executive. I was in a sort of a director, entry-level director role. And Bruce was the first time that I did not have a label for Bruce, but now over the years, as I look back at Bruce, I understood him to be a servant leader in the literature, a servant leader. So he was there to empower and help us to grow and develop as, as employees. And now that is so distinctive to me 
uh, how he led versus all of the bosses up to that point, Glenn, that did not have the, the aptitude and the, the intangibles to make you better or to bring out your best self. So anyway, that was Bruce. That's a great story. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I'm really curious about the research because, yeah, you, you interviewed so many people and there's so many great stories in the book. And you came down to four different types of positive influence leaders. Michael, I want to ask you that. Help us to unpack these four different types because they're all really profound for me. Yeah, sure. And, and I will say that I, when we started the process, I think we had an expectation that there might be sort of just one universal style. And of course, that's why you do the research to find out yeah. what the facts really show. And, and, and you're right, four, four different types. And so you know, just to sort of step through those, one of which was a supportive leader. And that is a leader that is here for you, someone who believes in you, have a boss now who's very much like this, someone who has your back, so to speak, people who get you to believe that you can do the things that you want to do. And there were a number of examples of people that we, in our research, that revealed they had been influenced by a supportive leader. I think one of these was my father. There was a, a woman, Jennifer, whose mother had encouraged her, pushed her really, uh, and got her to believe in herself and do the things that she had never dreamed of doing. And her mother said to her, quote, don't let anyone stop you from doing something that you've never done before. And she's now a, a senior curator at the Smithsonian Museum of American History. That's a good example of that. Betsy was another one. She was studying theater, assuming that you know, being a woman, she would go into acting, directing, or writing. The curriculum required that she take a course in technical theater. And Jim, her instructor, assigned her to go up on a tall ladder and hang lights on a, on a clamp high above the stage. And she... Uh, she told us that, you know, she said, I, I grew up in an apartment. You know, we, we never owned a ladder. But, you know, he said, you can do it and I believe in you. And she did. And she went on to have a, you know, a thriving career. So, yeah. you know, examples and many of us have had those. I have one now. A second type is, is a teacher, teacher a leader, a positive influence. And those are the, those are the um, influences that teach you the things that you need to learn to do your job, the things that you need to learn, but also to create in you and inspire in you a, a desire to learn. These are people that teach you the skills and the knowledge, but they also how to do things the right way, and how to learn from your mistakes. So I'll give you an example. So I had a boss, actually one of my first real bosses as a professional, who was a teacher. I, I was a neophyte, very inexperienced. And you know he, he just didn't feel comfortable with me going out and kind of doing the things that I would do instinctively. He really was teaching me every step of the way. He had a belief that there's a right way to do things. And I followed those. And that's what I needed at that time. We, we encountered a woman, Leslie, who's a, now a public school teacher, who told us about a, a professor who was so passionate about teaching himself that he inspired her to be a great one, which she now is. So it's not just the, the, the practical teaching skills, but she said, but it was his energy and charisma that made me want to be a great teacher. So many more examples of that. Third one is motivating, a motivating positive influence. You know, we, we've all seen these. Is This is someone who inspires you, who pushes you, and maybe pulls you to take the action to find your purpose or your true north something we call the sweet spot, that, that part of you that is central or core to who you are. These are people who see something in you that you, you may not have seen in yourself or may not be readily or easily apparent to you. 
So I think my father had mentioned first boss, Larry, who we told you about earlier. Nancy, another senior level HR manager, told us about her boss, Greg, who said to her, look, you need to do this. You can do it, right? My father had a similar experience. And Nancy said, look, you gave me big, challenging project, which developed my ability to execute later on. So that's motivating. And one of my favorites, of course, is the role model that we get to talk about. One of my uh, one of my heroes and favorite professional athletes. But the role model is a is a powerful example from which you can learn how to be successful. Wanting to be like someone, so you may choose to closely emulate a person that, that you may also be uh, benefiting by extracting certain specific traits that they embody, integrating them into your own style. So one of the famous examples was is Michael Jordan. So Jordan influenced, and we just went through the, you know, the last dance. We got to relive this again. And, you know, he influenced an entire generation of basketball players, truly. And many of them, including the late Kobe Bryant, specifically point to, to Jordan as their role model. And he said, Kobe Bryant said in the last dance, quote, I would not have become the player that I became without the influence of Michael Jordan specifically, well before he met him. And he, he said, that started when I was a child. He was living in Europe long before they met. They eventually developed a nice relationship. Interesting thing now is Kobe Bryant. There's a generation of players who say the same thing about him. So role model is the one, you know, you have to walk the talk. There's four different types of role models in the book that we talk about. That if we had more time, I could get into. Marcel, those are the four types that I would, we discovered. You said something that I want to tie back to Bruce, the boss that I mentioned earlier. Glenn, you'll, you'll appreciate this. One of the things that the book talks about, Michael just mentioned, is a, a leader who, ha- who believes in you. In other words, takes a chance on you. That boss, Bruce, that I had, you know, I was junior level and he was executive level. And at one point, he was the chair of an executive committee and he wanted to hand me that position without me having the skills or experience to actually manage or you know, sit in as the chair of an executive committee. But he saw something in me that I did not see in myself. And he says, no, you're going to do this. Now, okay, that really stretched me. But I rised up to the challenge and I took the position of this role as chairperson, right? And I'm telling you, I grew faster in any other phase of my life, in my professional career at that point when I was doing this chairing this committee of high-level people, it speaks to the kind of person that, that sees potential in you and then creates the, the path for you to, to go down that path. Yeah, that's a great story. Yeah. Wow. Guys, you refer to something called the transformational positive influence leader. Michael, who is that person? That's me. No. <laughs> it's all of us. <laughs> it was it, it was a book written so that we that we get to the conclusion that I'm a transformational leader. Now, the transformational leader, so it is the leader who can embody all four types that I just described: the supportive, the role model, the motivating teacher, leader. So to embody all four types means that they can be situational. In fact, they have to be situational. And what I think separates the transformational leader is identifying the situation and the individuals involved and understanding and recognizing the need for being a very specific type of 
positive influence leader. So when it's time to be supportive, they know they identify that opportunity and the need for it, and they are a role model and teacher. Like in our original, our original deck that we put together for this, we used examples of this FDR. Problem is when you use examples, it becomes more controversial, raises questions. But FDR being a, a, a transformational leader, someone who could embody all four types and was situational, knew how to deploy the type that was necessary for that moment. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, let me jump in there too, because I yeah. think the example I gave with Bill, the person who, who was my client, not especially charismatic. I mean, he just very simply said, you can do this. Now, if he had said to me, Glenn, I know it. I believe in you. If he had given me, you know, the Tony Robbins speech, you know, you can walk off cross fire. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have done anything for me. So he, he was transformational in a sense. He did because I, I knew him very well. He was very, very smart. And he could do a lot of these things. And he could teach a lot. But he sensed that I could do this. And so he went to that particular type of leadership, which was, you can do this. This is something that I believe in that you can do. And he wouldn't have been a role model to me, but he used the right amount and it was correct for that situation. So, and by the way, all of us have the capacity to use all four of these styles. All of us have the capacity within us to use all four of these styles. We tend to use one or two more than the others. It's what we call your preferred style. But all of us can do when, and and the ones who are the better leaders, the transformational leaders, are, as Michael said, situational. They sense, they pick up the situation, they assess it quickly, and provide the type of leadership that you need at the very time that you need it. Yeah, that's important. That's important, Glenn. They are highly intuitive. I talk a lot here about self-awareness, which is a component of emotional, emotional intelligence. Right. And yeah, you have to be aware of your surroundings and e- even who's going to respond to that kind of, whether it's supportive or motivational, you should know who, who the person is going to respond to that kind of leadership. So yeah, depending on the situation. So that's very important to know. I want to shift a little bit and kind of look at the flip side. We've all had negative influence or experiences, you know, many times under the, the wrong type of leader or boss or parent, someone that kept us down, maybe rejected us, or he just didn't believe in us. And some of them even told us that we would fail. So you have this whole chapter in the book with some really good coping strategies to deal with a negative influence. So, Glenn, I wanted to ask you maybe to walk us through a few of those. Yeah. Well, you know, all of us wish and many of us did have the experience growing up of someone who the first time we tried to jump on and ride a two-wheel bike believed in us and we supported us and we were able to do it. We were able to audition for the school orchestra and people, somebody believed that we could do it. First time we tried out for the field hockey team, somebody believed in us and supported us. But there's also those people in life, very often they think they're well-meaning. They think they're doing you a favor by saying, that's not, it's a very tough field for a woman. 
not many people make it in that type of work. You have to be a very good, good math student in order to handle that kind of job. Things of that sort that people, oh, I'm just trying to be helpful. I just want to be realistic with you. That's code for, I don't think you can do it. And many people, many of us in our life, including many of the people, by the way, this was one of the easiest questions for people to answer, sadly, that they could find someone in their life. For example, and this is one of the typical coping strategies, Jerry, an African-American engineer and manager that we interviewed, he told us about a time, and this is a, this is a man well up there in age who remembered this from high school, a meeting with his high school guidance counselor, career counselor, when he said, I want to go to college and I want to major, a double major in engineering and economics. And she didn't say anything, but she gave him that look like, really? Really? And he knew exactly what she meant, which was, I just don't think that's right for you. And sure enough, he went on to get an engineering degree and, and with a double major in economics. He went on to have a long career at General Electric, becoming an engineer first and then an engineering manager and then later as a consultant. And so he basically took that on as a challenge. I'm going to prove her wrong. I said to him, did you ever go back to your high school and speak to that? He said, nope, didn't need to. I didn't need to. So that's the kind of thing that people did. They take these things as a challenge. That's one of the coping strategies. Another one is to simply learn from the experience. I love this story, Marcel. This was Mindy, a woman that we interviewed. She talked about one of her first jobs. She worked at a women's health clinic. And her boss was one of these people that didn't listen to people when they came up with suggestions. She fostered conflict among the employees. She empowered no one. She was not a very good leader from a number of standpoints. And so what Minty did, because a lot of times when you encounter a negative influence, there isn't anything you can do about it. They're your boss. They're a parent. Yeah. You can't change that situation. But what she did, she took all of it in. And later, when she had the opportunity to run her organization, she runs a very fine organization now that deals with women who've been victims of sexual and physical abuse. She took all that in and said, nope, I'm not going to do any of those kind of things. I'm going to be more positive. And she runs a, 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 a fantastic organization. So those are kind of you know some of the coping strategies that people have. And there are others that we detail with some fantastic stories in the book. Sometimes, Marcel, when you read, you know, you read those, I'm sure you thought, as I've thought, listening to them and writing about them, and Michael did too, which was, how in the world did you get through that? Yeah. Because things that people will say to other people, in sometimes under the guise of, oh, I'm just trying to be helpful, are just mind-boggling. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Guys, it's interesting that, you know, I get a lot of authors coming to the show who write a, who's written the book to be released post coronavirus, but they didn't know <laughs> that they're going to be hit by a pandemic, right? As the book is supposed to be released, and then things have to shift. They have to 
pivot and maybe add chapters, take away chapters, et cetera. Well, you guys put the release on hold when the pandemic hit. So Michael, walk us through that thought process and how did this change things for you guys? Yeah, I think the first thing is, I think we both thought there were more important things going on in the world with a crisis than than our book. So I think initially it was just timing was, was not great and we needed to even personally focus our attention elsewhere. A week or so later, I remember calling my father and saying, you know, I think that there's an opportunity here to turn this crisis and a, and this, uh, and a negative into an opportunity and leverage the opportunity by, I don't know, for the next several months or however long it takes to observe carefully the individuals and leaders that have an opportunity to step up and lead and watch leaders lead and watch leaders evolve into positive influences on all of us. So we leverage it as an opportunity. I mean, what's putting off a book for several months in the middle of a crisis was not difficult for us. What was difficult was the crisis. And so we did, in addition to taking care of ourselves and our, and our community, it was also an opportunity to watch and observe. And so I just, I will just quickly walk you through some of the things that, that we did learn about being in a serious crisis and how positive influence lead, lead, influence leaders lead in a time of crisis. I think one, what we saw is leaders in a time of crisis must be open and authentic. A crisis is not something to be managed. Authentic leaders don't deny, deceive, or deflect. It's possible that you don't have all the, you don't have all the information. It's not complete. And that certainly was the case in this crisis. And those leaders, you know, need to be honest and say something like, this is what we know as of this moment, but the situation is fluid and things can change. However, as soon as, as I know, or we know, you will know. I think that's one that we, that's one thing that we learned a takeaway. Two is you have to be clear and specific, especially if the crisis like the one that we're in is health related or say legal. It's important to be very clear because people are listening. They're listening every day, in some cases all day, to what and how we're saying and how we're saying things. So, for example, you know, many of us have come to depend upon people like Dr. Fauci or Sanjay Gupta, Dr. Gupta, to provide the public clear and specific information about the virus. And they you know, both have a unique ability to clearly explain complex medical information and, and arcane sort of scientific conclusions to people like us non-scientists in a way that can be understood and practically applied. I think they did that. Third is you have to listen, ask questions, listen more and respond and keep listening. Be open and accessible. Listen to what people are concerned about, anything and everything. And then, you know, walk, walk the talk. People are watching and they're listening. And if you want extraordinary customer service, and there's a number of examples of companies like Starbucks and Yum! Brands, et cetera, who stepped up responded quickly. Some of these in our local communities, restaurants, who responded very quickly and adapted to continue to provide customer service. Supermarkets did this as other great examples. And then it, and we're not there yet, certainly, but when we get there, conduct an after action review. And we started to do that. You know, the most important thing we can do from this experience and learn from this experience to prepare for a next crisis because there will be another one. So start to ask those questions. What did we do? What did we do well? What didn't we do? What can we learn? How can we apply it? So we don't just want to go back to normal, but to a, a better normal. 
look, it was worth it for us to put it on hold, Marcel, and take advantage of the opportunity and watch. In, in essence, we were given a great opportunity to learn in real time how leaders lead in a time of a crisis and apply that to our book. So, mm, mm, Good, good, good. Glenn, as we wind down here and come to a close, I want you to speak to the CEO or even the senior manager of a team. How do they implement these ideas in their organization? You know, there's that, there's the one-on-one individual change process. And then there's the, the systemic, more the organizational change process as a whole. But is there a first step? What would you tell them? That's a great question. It's what we call the so what question. So this is an interesting book, a lot of nice stories. It's a nice read. What do we do with this? And, and we're practitioners, Michael and I. So we write for practitioners. We don't write for you know, furthering uh, scientific research. We want to give you something that's practical. First thing, the end of every chapter, you probably saw this, there are discussion questions that take you back into the chapter and to say, okay, what did you learn from this? What is it about a role model? Have you ever had a role model and what did they teach you? Those kinds of questions. So one of the things, and aware of at least one example of a company that's doing this thus far, which is they're reading the book, all the, the leadership team is reading the book and at their weekly now Zoom staff meeting, they are discussing a chapter based on those questions that are in the, at the end of the chapter. So that's one basic, pretty easy thing for people to do to absorb it. The second thing is Michael you know, went through the four different types or styles. The back of the book, there is a self-assessment survey that you can fill out very quick. It's only 18 items. You can self-score it. It will give you scores on all four of those styles that will tell you what your preferred style is or styles. As I said, you can be have more than one preferred style. And it also gives you direction as to, okay, what do I need to do to be a more effective leader? Okay, I'm not so strong in the supportive area. Maybe I can bring that up by doing the following things. There is also going to be a 360 version. In fact, there is. It just hasn't come out yet. So you'll have the self-assessment. You'll have the 360 version that, of course, everybody in the audience I know has to use the 360. You give it out to members of your team, stakeholders that you work with, vendors, suppliers, et cetera. And they give you feedback so you can compare your self-assessment with their assessment. There's a third booklet. So there's going to be three booklets, the self-assessment, the 360, and then a leader's guide for how to use these instruments in team building and leadership development and the like. And so it'll give you directions on how to do that. So that's the so what and how do we use this thing? Take this into the workplace and create better managers who are positive influences and help people become their best self. Mm, mm. Gentlemen, finally, we have this uh, tradition on the show where we allow our guests to end the episode their way with that one final takeaway. So what's that one thing that we can bring home with us that you'd like to close us with? And I'll start with Michael. Okay. One final takeaway. So I would say that always be on, always be on because you never know who is watching, and you never know who you can influence in a positive manner. That's great. 
That's great. I love that. Always be on. That's, that's great. I guess I would say you can be a positive influence leader. And if you already are, you can be a more effective positive influence leader. You can have, be that leader that helps people become their best self. We all have it within us. The book, again, is called Positive Influence, The Leader Who Helps People Become Their Best Self. I want to thank you guys for hanging out with me today. It's been a true, true pleasure and honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much. So thank you. You're welcome. If people want to connect with you and uh, jump on a website, maybe pull some resources, where can they go? Well, there, there's a website for the book aptly called thepositiveinfluenceleader.com, www.thepositiveinfluenceleader.com. Of course, the book is available on, on Amazon and paperback and well as a Kindle version of it. I would love to hear from people in the audience about their experiences with a positive influence leader. Marcel, I love your story and I'm be aware I'm going to come back to you and I want to capture that because we're capturing more positive influence stories. So you can you can email me at Glenn G-L-E-N-N at the positive influence leader.com. Send me your stories. I would love to hear about that. And of course if you have questions, you can also reach Michael at thepositiveinfluenceleader.com as well. So we look forward to hearing from you. And again, thank you, Marcel. It's been a great, great conversation. Thank you, Marcel. Yes, it's been, it's been fun. So my special thanks again to Glenn and Michael Parker for spending time with us today and helping us each to become a more positive, influential leader. For other great conversations with the world's top thought leaders and luminaries, please visit my website at marcelschwantes.com. Finally, if you or your company would like to sponsor episodes of the Love in Action podcast, let's chat. You can text me right now at area code 423-509-8415. I'm coming right back with your action items for today's episode. Hope you enjoyed that episode with Glenn and Michael Parker. Today, we're starting a new segment where I give you some action steps to make our episodes more practical, where you can apply some of the things that we talked about today. And just like Glenn Parker, I'm a leadership practitioner and I work with clients as an executive coach, a trainer, and consultant. So I want to serve you not only as a podcast host, but I want to give you some things for you to put into action. I have one action step for you today to help you become a better leader. Please do this. Make this practical for you. Here's what to do. Find someone whose skills may not be a perfect match for a new project, a task, or even a newly opened position. Someone that you actually believe has the potential, even if they don't have the experience. Now, I want you to set the conditions that make it possible for that person to succeed or take action on his or her own. Here's an example. Give that person a specific task or position, just like my former boss Bruce did for me. So put that person in a position to stretch his or her growth and be confident that they have the skills and the know-how to handle the task and then encourage, support, and empower them. Don't leave them hanging. You want to support them to act 
and help them believe in themselves and be there as you stretch their growth. That's having positive influence. And that is your action step for today's episode. Thank you for listening to the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it, subscribe, and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Doing so will help more people to find the podcast so we can keep spreading the Love in Action movement. Until next time, don't forget, the future of leadership is love in action. Believe it, practice it, and be convinced.